Hello, everybody, and welcome to Project HR, a podcast dedicated to building better workplaces. Project HR is brought to you by IRI Consultants. IRI empowers leaders to prevent and solve mission-critical workforce issues through holistic and sustainable strategies. For more information, you can visit IRI at iriconsultants.com. I am Jennifer Oroqua, Director of Business Development for IRI, and your host for this episode of Project HR. Now, not too long ago, the role of a manager was simple. Understand the goal, explain it to employees, and evaluate performance based on achieving that goal. But today, the workforce has changed. Employees want to have a say in how the work gets done, and the command and control management model no longer works. Leaders are responsible for the success of their team members, calling on them to take a role that is far more coach than boss. Today, I'm joined by Marcy Uday-Riley, senior consultant with us here at IRI. We're talking about how leaders as coaches can benefit an organization, from avoiding unionization to improving productivity and teamwork. Marcy, we've, of course, known each other for quite some time, but coaching for performance is a topic I can't wait to dig into with you. Welcome to Project HR. Hey, thank you, Jennifer. It's really good to be here with you. So let's clarify our terms here before we begin. What's the difference between coaching and, say, advising or mentoring? Well, there's really a lot of difference. Mentoring, first of all, let's describe that and kind of move it away because we're not going to be talking about that today, I don't think. Mentoring is where an individual helps another individual navigate through a particular career path. It's very much career focused. But coaching is something very different. Coaching is where you are asking individuals what they think So they're able to come up with their own solution and therefore they can own it. Now, advising is where where you're telling people what you think and they may or may not agree with you. So coaching and advising are very much two different things, although most of our clients kind of look at them as interchangeable. They really aren't. I love that. That's a brilliant definition, a perfect way to, to define it. So what's the goal of coaching? What are we trying to accomplish? So, well, the goal of coaching is actually to close a gap. I mean, when we think about coaching at work, if we're trying to coach for performance, for example, we're trying to close the gap between what an employee is doing now and what they could or should be doing. If we're trying to coach for development, we're trying to close the gap between what the employee is doing now and what the goals are for their future life. So coaching is really closing the gap. It's kind of like what a sports coach does or a music coach. We're closing the gap between what is and what could or should be. That makes sense. And you said that coaching is really asking the other person what they think. So why is performance so positively impacted by coaching in particular, as opposed to training or something like that? Well, training is typically where you're getting a group of people together and you're sharing with them information and giving them learning exercises so that they all kind of discover something that everybody can relate to. And training, when it's well-designed and well-delivered is very, very effective. Mm -hmm. Coaching is doing that, but is focusing on one specific individual. So when a coach is coaching an individual, they're coming up with specific examples, ideas, or strategies that are unique to that particular individual's life Mm -hmm. and work life. And because it's so individualized, it is so powerful. So my understanding is there are a couple of different kinds of coaching. Is that, is that right? Can you share them with me? Yeah. So I kind of mentioned it earlier. And it, sadly, I think there's a lot of missed opportunities in business right now 
So the first kind of coaching is the performance coaching. That's the one that we've been sort of talking about. Most managers think about performance coaching when somebody isn't doing what they should be doing. In other words, they're not meeting expectations. And so a manager will either give advice or coach to kind of help people meet expectations. Totally appropriate. Mm -hmm. The challenge is if managers started coaching people that are meeting expectations and use coaching to help them do better, more people would stay. We have it on pretty good advice from a lot of our clients that people are leaving or silent staying, if you will, because Mm. they're not getting developed. They're not getting attended to. Their needs aren't being met. And so coaching for performance isn't just coaching when people aren't meeting expectations, but also when they are. But there's another kind of coaching, and you asked me to describe both. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the coaching for development. And, you know, most organizations have some kind of a performance measurement, performance management system. And I can tell you three or four clients right now that we're working on helping them recognize that the section of their performance management tool that talks about professional development, it should be taken seriously. Mm. And it's not. And that's another missed opportunity for employee retention is to coach employees for professional development. And it's really sad when that's not being done. So are are some situations where coaching for performance is better than coaching for development? Do both need to be there? Are some people better attuned to one of these ways over the other? How do we know what works best? Well, In the ideal world, a manager would do both. An Mm -hmm. ideal world would take the neediest employee and coach them to bring them up to being successful. Because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, isn't that what managers know? If your employees are successful, you're successful. Mm -hmm. The issue is because of reduced workforce and overburdened tasks and assignments, managers nowadays in most organizations, they're not taking their good employees and coaching them to be better. They're not taking their good employees and helping them become more attuned to what their life goals are. And so when you say, which one's more important? I got to kind of laugh and say the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. So, so that kind of brings me to a larger question. Does coaching require a deeper personal connection with team members in order for our leaders to be effective? Oh, that's a good question. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what when you think of a personal connection, I'm wondering what you're thinking of, because I can answer it a couple of different ways. So understanding what somebody, the pressure somebody might be under, um, the, you know, the, the things that, that divide their attention between home and work, um, things that are important to them, their their children, their spouse, you know, those sorts of things. You know, it, does it help a leader to know those things in order to do a better job coaching? Boy, you're absolutely right on the money there, Jennifer. The more any manager knows about their team members or their associates or their employees, the more effective they're going to be at helping them be successful. You know, in the old days, we tried to tell people, leave your personal life at home. Yeah, right. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) how how well does that work, right? So, Mm. yeah, managers, they really do need to know their people. 
Now, you know, they don't need to be best friends and they don't need to be drinking buddies, but you need to know what are some of the forces that are impacting your employees' lives because they're going to impact their ability to perform the job or do better. And what do you think that this concept of the younger workers in the workplace today don't really separate their their personal lives from their professional lives? Like it's all one to them. So does that have an impact on the success of coaching? Oh, totally. And this is where <laughs> it's so funny. I was talking with a client this morning on another project where they're dealing with an issue of an older workforce who still has that belief. Mm. People should leave their kids at home. <laughs> right. saying, well, you leave your kids at home, but the guys mean, and sometimes the women mean, don't even think about your children when they're on the job. Well, I don't know about you, Jennifer, but I know we both have kids and my kids are on my mind all the time. All the time. Right? Yep, for sure. For oh, sure. Can we do that? And the younger generation is more comfortable in saying to their managers, you know, I'm one person, you're getting all of me. I'm not going to divide myself between my work self and my home self. I am who I am. And quite honestly, I find that very refreshing. Yeah, I love that idea. You're getting all of me. All right, Marcy, I'm going to take a quick sponsorship break right now. But when we return, I want to discuss your five different coaching approaches leaders can use. Back in a moment. In today's labor market, it is becoming more difficult to attract and retain top talent. The skills gap is widening which means that businesses are struggling to find qualified workers. Leaders need training programs that will help them improve their leadership skills so they can be better equipped to manage change, engage employees, and lead their companies into the future. IRI Consultants Lead Academy offers leadership development courses for managers and executives in a variety of formats, including live classroom sessions, virtual classrooms, and on-demand e-learning modules Learn how you can enhance your team's leadership capabilities with Lead Academy courses today. To learn more, visit bit.ly slash leadercourses. That's bit.ly slash leadercourses. I'm back with my friend Marcy Uday Riley, Senior Consultant at IRI Consultants. So Marcy, let's talk about the coaching continuum. What what is it? How is it used? <laughs> Well, the coaching continuum, it's a way of looking at five different approaches that a manager can take to help their employees be successful and a way of determining through observation which approach is going to be best received by that individual because different people need different coaching on different performance expectations based upon how they're doing. Now, that might sound kind of complex, but it's it's kind of like you got to give people what they need in a way they need it in order for it to work. So coaching is like that. So we've created these five different approaches, So and, and they're progressive. So the first one is direct. You know, when a manager is direct, they're kind of telling people what to do and they're doing so in a kind and appropriate way. But new employees, for example, um, need to be provided with expectations in a more direct way. And then the coach then might become a guide and then an advisor and then a facilitator and then a supporter. So 
each one of these five different approaches, um, it's a way of describing whether you're managing tight or whether you're managing loose. Mm. And you have to make that decision based upon what the person needs, what the job needs, and what the organization needs. So you gotta, you got to really be mindful of you're coaching a real human being on a particular expectation, not on all expectations at the same time. Okay. So so what I love about this is that each of these approaches seems outcome-based. So they're owned by different participants depending on what approach is used. Tell me a little bit more about that. Oh, definitely outcome-based. And, and we here at IRI believe that everything should be outcome-based. And oh, by the way, you ought to be able to measure it because only things that get measured get done are mm-hmm. valued. So yeah, mm-hmm. coaching, in, in our opinion, coaching fits right in there. So So what you want to do is you want to assess where your employee is. And then, like I said, you apply the approach that matches where they are. So for example, um, a new hire or a person that has not a lot of knowledge, skill, or experience, we might say they're a novice. And it's not good or bad. This is just where they are in that expectation. And then they learn a little bit more, they become a little bit more comfortable, then we call them a learner. And then they keep becoming more successful, they become a performer, and then an expert, and then finally a master. And you know, remember when I talked about uh, direct, guide, advise, facilitate, and support, those five Mm -hmm. different approaches align with where the employee's development is in their ability to meet a performance expectation. So it's it's all lined up and it all kind of works. Interesting. So let's get into each of these steps. You you talked about what direct coaching looks like. It's a, a kind and appropriate way of telling people this is what you need to be doing. So let's get into direct a little bit and then follow on with the other four. Okay. So when a coach is being direct, they have to assess how much knowledge, skill, or ability an individual has and how much um, experience, relevant experience they bring to the job. And direct means knowing that, confirming that your knowledge of that individual is accurate and being, being directive in a very caring kind of way, like a brand new employee. They need direction. You can't just throw them out on the shop floor or out in the unit or at the you know, whatever the task is and expect them to magically know how to do things. So being direct is not a good or bad thing. It's just what people need. And then the next level is being a guide. And that's where this person is is ready to learn. So you ask them questions, you know, where, what if, where are you so far? How much do you know? You ask them questions and then you provide Um, some guidance as they navigate their way through learning to meet expectations. Um, The performer then is an individual, they're meeting expectations. They're doing, they're doing fine. Now you're just an advisor to them. You kind of monitor how they're doing. You're asking them questions because coaching is asking questions so that the advice you give is only when they don't know it or can't find them themselves. And then you've got the performer. This is the person that's doing a great job. And this is where, sadly, a lot of managers stop coaching 
they've got somebody that's a performer and they kind of leave them alone and they move on to the next one. But those performers who are meeting expectations, they need you to do more. They need coaches to become facilitators and facilitate continued development and continued learning. And it always begins with asking questions because coaching is asking questions. Mm -hmm. And then again, you know, your high performers, your experts and your masters, coaches kind of ignore them. And after a while, they feel like they're not valued. Nobody cares about them. Hmm. And they might make a decision to leave and go somewhere where their manager cares. Hmm. That's why coaching, it shouldn't stop just because you've got experts or masters. People still need to be coached. They still need to have their manager ask questions and show they care. So let's let's define those those five different stages where someone might be because I'm curious about how how we choose the best approach. How do we know where to jump in? Are you know are we being direct? Are we being an advisor? So let's talk a little bit about that novice learner, performer, expert, and master levels. Yeah. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to be observing the employee doing the work or observe the results of them doing the work. So you have to, and again, this is taking the time for each employee on each performance expectation, kind of reading the pulse of the individual. Um, it, it's paying attention is what it means to. And once you have observed them doing the work or the results of the work, then you assess them based upon what they're doing or the results they're getting against what you expect. And that's the assessment phase. And that tells you when you do the assessment, where are they? Mm -hmm. And it's all rational and logical. And when you keep it that way, um, you're taking emotion out of it. You're using evidence to then have performance conversations instead of feelings, which, mm -hmm. you know, lead us into some pretty sticky conversations, which, by the way, most managers hate performance conversations. They turn into lectures or disputes and because they're not going into it with a coaching mindset. So let's talk about the role of conversation here. Obviously, sometimes that can be awkward and, and uncomfortable. So what's the role of conversation in coaching? Oh, I'm so glad that you asked. So we think people learn, you know, they learn things because there's a process. People like processes, things that are predictable. So we actually have a four-step process. And um, we teach this and our managers say, Oh my God, you're right. We don't follow the process. So is it okay if I kind of describe it to you? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the four steps. The first thing you do is you describe what the expectation is for that particular person on that job and why you want to have a conversation. In other words, you want to say, you know, you're not quite meeting expectations. I want to chat with you a little bit about what we can do to, to bring your performance up. Or I see you're really doing a great job, but I think you could do better. I'd like to have a little conversation with you to see how together we can help you excel in what you're doing. 
And so you set that up by number one, describe the performance and why you want to have the conversation. Okay. Everybody gets that. So when I say this is what the second step is, people get it logically, but then we kind of laugh about what happens in the real world and what should happen. Mm -hmm. What should happen is immediately that manager should say, so tell me, what do you think is going on? Why you're not quite meeting expectations? Or tell me what you think is going on why you're not doing better than you are. Help me understand, explain to me, describe, Mm. asking a bunch of open-ended questions, getting the employee to talk. Mm -hmm. And then once you hear what's going on in the employee's mind, then you're able to describe what you think, what your experience is based upon what you've heard. And then at the end, step four is agree on how to close the gap. So step one, describe the expectation and why you want to have the conversation. Two, ask open-ended questions about what they think is going on, what's causing it or contributing to it. Three, offer your feedback. And then number four is agree on how to close the gap. Now, when we present that, everyone nods their head and goes, yep. It's exactly what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then I say, okay, well, let me tell you what most managers do. They describe the expectation and then they start talking about what's going on. And then they say, do you have any questions? And then I'll, I'll look around a room if I'm live or if I'm online, I'll say, raise your hand if any of you have ever done that. 95% of the group raise their hand and Mm -hmm. say, yep, I tell them what we're talking about. And then I start talking. Hmm. And so what we're, what we try to do in our training or coaching, coaching managers, how Mm -hmm. to coach Mm -hmm. is you got to follow step one, two, three, four, not one, three, two, four, which is what most managers typically do. And, and that's why either people clam up, you know, a manager says, Hey, Jennifer, you got any questions, depending upon how you feel about me or the situation, you're going to say, no, that's cool. Or you're going to say, yeah, let me tell you what's going on. And then we're in a debate. Mm -hmm. So we got to swap the order of the way we're having these conversations. And then we got to practice it because people get it when they're in, in training, learning how to be a coach. Intellectually, it makes sense. But I got to tell you, changing habits, that ain't easy. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, Marcy, this is all super intriguing, but it's time for another quick break. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Project HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Oroqua, and my guest today is Marcy Uday Riley, Senior Consultant with Labor and Management Consultancy, IRI. We're back now on Project HR. Now, Marcy, in your coaching performance process, you also talk about coaching sidetracks. What does that mean? (laughs) Well, so a sidetrack is what an employee does when they either make an excuse or they try to derail the conversation. In other words, they don't like it Mm. that the manager is holding them accountable. Imagine Mm -hmm. that. Even if they're holding their employee accountable in a caring way, 
you know, a lot of us, we got pretty good defense mechanisms. And so we, we try to use these sidetracks and it can be anything from, well, you never told me, or they won't let me, or they're excuses. Mm. And so we, we teach a simple process on how to overcome sidetracks because they just, they're not going to help the coach help the employee be successful. Mm -hmm. So if a leader feels that the conversation is getting sidetracked during a coaching session, what can they do? Well, there's a couple of strategies we use, but the one that's the easiest that I want to share with you and our friends right now is called ARP. Are you familiar with ARP? I am not. Well, this ends up being one of the favorite tools that anyone that goes through our training, they say, oh my gosh, I use this all the time. I even <laughs> use it at home with my teenagers. <laughs> all right. Now I really want to know. <laughs> yeah. So ARP, A-R-P, acknowledge, respond, and pivot. And quite honestly, I know that some people use this already. They just didn't have language for it. Mm. So acknowledge when somebody throws out a sidetrack, well, you never told me that. You just acknowledge it and say, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't dispute them. You say, okay, acknowledging that I hear you, not that I agree with you. Mm -hmm. So you're saying, okay, and then you respond. So what does respond mean? paraphrase exactly what you heard them say to show that you were really paying attention. And this is so hard for people to paraphrase because we want to slant everything the way we want it to come out. Mm -hmm. We have to be good at paraphrasing. And then we pivot away from the sidetrack and back to the topic being discussed. And I got to tell you, after you've practiced this in some role plays three or four times, it's like, oh my gosh, I can do this. I can do this. It's not difficult. It's just kind of developing a new muscle, developing a new habit. So can these guidelines be used to address specific issues such as labor unions, as well as broader topics like general performance? Oh, absolutely they can. The only thing that I would have a concern about with labor unions, if you're going to use this, You've got to be very clear and remember tips D and foe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because when you're when you're really wearing your coaching hat, unless you've got tips D and foe embedded in your psyche, it could be easy to slip up and we just don't think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, and we've got more information on that on the website, of course, on tips info and, and what those rules are and, and what you need to know um, to, to remain in legal compliance and not end up with a, a ULP on your hands. So um, IRI offers training through Lead Academy, teaching leaders how to coach employees to higher performance. Tell me a little bit more about that offering. Well, so the Lead Academy, it's an interesting collection. It's actually 22 and growing topic specific leadership modules. Now they're all instructor led. Mm -hmm. They can be delivered either in person or online in instructor led synchronous training. Mm -hmm. And we've got a lot of clients that will buy them as curriculum. So we've got the foundation leadership skills, and then we've got advanced leadership skills. So we've got dozens and dozens of clients that will buy that whole curriculum. And we've got a growing number of clients now that have existing curriculum, but they have gaps. 
and they find mm-hmm. that our approach to developing leadership skills, it's very practical. It's mm-hmm. all based on an academic foundation, but we're never into, um, we've got one client that calls our stuff pracademic because mm-hmm. it's very, very practical and everything is tools based. So when people leave any one of our sessions, they have very specific tools or strategies that they can begin using right now, very much behaviorally based rather than conceptual. Mm -hmm. And your team also incorporates role play training for participants, which I find invaluable. So learners actually get to do a test run of the coaching continuum in real time. Is that how it works? Absolutely. We do role play live and we do role play online. And we think that's really important again. Because Mm -hmm. we think good training is about building new muscles or strengthening muscles you have. And if you're not practicing them in a safe environment, it's really hard to build that strength. So is there a minimum number of participants for this kind of training? Can you do this in small groups or large groups? So online synchronous training, we'd like it to be no more than 16. Gosh, we've been asked to go up to 20. We can do it. But it, it just... It takes a lot of the engagement away. So I would mm. prefer to limit it to 16. Um, live, we go up to 20. We can go a little more than that. But again, because we want a ton of practice and highly engaging, and there's a lot of, of what do you think? How did that work? And just so much practice throughout the entire session. Mm-hmm. We want to we want to keep it a contained size so that mm-hmm. everybody gets feedback relevant to them, even when you're in a training class. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, what's the response been like to this training? Wow, we've been. Um, <laughs> I I just I feel so lucky. I feel <laughs> so lucky. We're growing um, a lot. Mm-hmm. We. Um, We have some clients that keep us as training partners. I've got a couple of clients we've been working with for 18 years, and they just keep um, growing as we grow. They keep using our services, and it's just very, very exciting. Um, it's, It's just fabulous to know that what we're doing is is making a difference. Mm -hmm. um, We get word of mouth. Uh, We've entered a couple of new industries because a client heard about us. They piloted it and Mm -hmm. liked it so much that word of mouth. Now we're moving into another client in that same industry where we've never been before. So we've got great facilitators who know how to make this work. And um, so far, it's, you know, knock on wood or on my head, whichever one is harder. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. So if we want to find out more about you, about your live and virtual courses that will help leaders coach employees to higher performance, or even about IRI consultants, where can we go? Well, there's a couple of places. Clearly, go to the IRI website, and you can just click on OD or Lead Academy, and you can see all 22 courses, and you can see just a whole variety of, of capabilities that we bring to leadership development. So that's one way. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn is accessible and I chat with people all the time. I'm not always current and don't keep it updated, but I'm <laughs> definitely there. And my email address, I'm very comfortable sharing it with our colleagues here. And it's my name. It's M-U-D-A-Y hyphen R-I-L-E-Y at 
iriconsultants.com. Very good. Everything Marcy mentioned will be linked up in this episode's companion guide, which you can grab for free at iriconsultants.com slash podcast. Right now, though, Marcy, it is time for our lightning round questions. These are questions I ask of every guest of the podcast. Are you oh ready? Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm hoping so. Okay. okay. Very good. All right. So our first question is always a topic showdown. So in this episode, we've been talking about leadership coaching. So in your opinion, Marcy, which of these fictional coaches was better? Rocky Balboa's coach Mickey from the Rocky movies or Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid? I would love to say mm, Mickey, but he is such a nasty, isn't he? <laughs> yes. I, I, I have to say that Miyagi actually has one of my all-time favorite expressions that I use in training. I modified a little bit. My favorite expression, no such thing as bad student, only <laughs> bad teacher. And I will say, depending upon how well I know my group, no such thing as bad employee, only bad manager. Oh, I like it. I thought you were going to say wax on, wax off, but we're all good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next question. What is the best book you've read recently? Oh my gosh. So I have two tracks I read. One is for work and the other is escape. Books I buy at the airport to read Mm -hmm. on long flights. Mm -hmm. Um, My favorite workbook though, one that I I keep coming back to, it's called The Power of Habit by Charles Mm -hmm. Duhigg. Mm-hmm. What I like about it is it clarifies the science behind where habits come from, how we create them through our mind and our behavior, and then, gosh darn, they create us. And um, breaking habits and creating new ones has to be done with intention or dead. Yeah, that's a, that's a great book. I, I I second that for wholeheartedly. All right, next question. What is your favorite thing about the work that you do? Oh my gosh. My favorite thing is seeing light bulbs go off in people's eyes mm-hmm. during either coaching or training and then hearing about the successes they've had when they actually use what they've learned. Oh my gosh, it's just... That's what keeps me at it. I'm I'm a little past retirement age and I gotta tell you, I don't wanna stop doing this. It's it's fabulous. I'm lost. Which is great. Which is great. All right, tell me what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Well, I would never admit it because it's one of my kids' sisters. But she's a, she's a licensed psychologist, a therapist, and she said to me one time years and years ago, Marcy, it's not about you. You aren't that important in their life. And um, we actually have a little tool that we use in some of our leadership training. We give people Q-tips, you know, those little plastic mm-hmm. uh, cotton swabs. Mm-hmm. And we say it stands for Q-tip, Q-T-I-P. Quit taking it personally. <laughs> That's great. All right, Marcy, who or what inspires you? So when I was a kid, my dad always said we had a responsibility to leave the world a better place than when we found it. Mm. And this is one small way that I can do that. And I'm so proud of my sons that each one of them is doing the same thing. So my dad's legacy lives on. Very nice. Marcy, thank you so much for joining me today on this week's episode of Project HR. Thanks so much for having me on. And it's been a real pleasure having this conversation with you, Jen. I also want to thank our listeners, and this is a final reminder to unlock your access to this episode's companion guide, which you can tell is going to be chock full, um, at iriconsultants.com slash podcast. 
If you're ready for your Project HR debut, our team is always looking for outstanding guests. Let us know about your expertise by emailing us at projecthr at iriconsultants.com. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to Project HR. A new episode posts every Thursday. Finally, drop me a line, leave us a review, or give the show a handful of stars wherever you get your content. That's it for this week's episode of Project HR. Let's make it a great day at work.